welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We are happy you're here. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Anyway, we're in Advent. As if I didn't have to tell you that, you already knew that. We're in Advent. So we're doing services kind of based around leading of the Christmas story. And I thought we'd look at... Uh, a few of the, a carol, basically sort of launch out of a carol. And so thank you, Belle, for singing Hark, um, and Hannah, of course, for singing Hark the Herald Angels, and, and where's Kate? She's gone. Just doing Hark the Herald Angels, sing it's a, it's a carol we do every year, pretty much, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and if we don't sing it, we at least hear it going through the shopping centre, although that's becoming a little rarer. But I thought sometimes we, we, we hear these carols, we sing them, and we forget the incredible power that we have in just the carols, the incredible truths that we sing. Um, and, and just for a bit of background, the, the carol's been going for centuries. It was actually written by Charles Wesley. Ever heard of him? Uh-huh. Charles and John kind of kicked off the, the Methodist movement in the middle of the 1700s. And he wrote the words around about 1739, about a century later, a guy called Felix Mendelssohn. Anyone heard of Felix Mendelssohn? What? You would because you're a violin player. Oh, he's one of my favourite, favourite. You would have heard of him. You would have heard of his music. You heard the wedding march, you know. Da, 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 da. Everyone on, sing along. Da, 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 da. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote that amongst a, a horde of other stuff. And, and so they put the two together because originally the music was pretty ordinary. Put the two together and today, from about 1840 through to the day, it hasn't changed a great deal. Changed a bit. We're still singing the old words, aren't we? Like, hark. Like, who says hark apart from hark in the park? Who says hark today? All right, if you're a parent, go home and say to your kids, hark, and just see what they, just see what they do. But basically, that just means listen up. Like, the angels have got something to say, so listen up. And, and herald, we don't say herald very often, do we? Unless it's attached to Sydney in morning, we don't say herald very often. Uh, we still use some of the old language uh, but it's full of incredible words and incredible truths and concepts. For example, it talks about mercy mild, the mercy that we get because Jesus was born and came into this world. It talks about um, reconciliation. God is reconciled with us. That's like, get your head around that. That is incredible. When that actually grabs your soul, everything changes. It talks about eternal life, talks about God coming down to earth as a baby, God in a bod, like get your head around that as well, because it's just got these incredible truths and concepts. But the one I want to lean into tonight is the very first one that, that is spoken that comes after the, first, the opening lines, and that is peace on earth. Peace on earth. I, I don't know if there's been a better time to talk about peace on earth. And I realise Naomi, I think, talked about the shalom peace a few weeks ago. Is that right? An excellent, excellent message. You need, if you haven't heard that, you need to go and hear that because uh, it's superb. Uh, but I want to take it in a slightly different direction tonight because Jesus comes as the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom. And that started, that was actually predicted by a guy called Isaiah. If you haven't heard of Isaiah, he's a guy who lived about 700 years plus before Jesus turned up on the planet. And he, uh, he was a prophet. P-R-O-P-H-E-T. He was a prophet and what he would do is he would basically go hark because that's what God, God's going to say something, speak something, do something and I'm going to tell you he's going to speak through me. And so he not only told the people what God was 
saying and doing, but also would say, this is what he's going to do in the future. And so he prophesied this. He spoke this, um, he, he spoke this out and he said this, for unto us, and he's talking to the Israelite nation, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. In other words, he's, just, he's going to be the person who rules and reigns. And he will be called, and listen to these names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and here's our theme tonight, Prince of Peace. Now the thing I find interesting, because I'm a little bit nerdy with this stuff, is that the first three words, the first three names, all right, we've got Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, are names that you can only really attribute to God. So what Isaiah is saying is, that this baby that's going to be born is going to be called these names, he's basically going to be God. But the fourth one is a name that was only ever attributed to humans. They were rulers, they were princes, and it was never ever attributed to God. So the name Prince of Peace is actually a human. Does it make sense? Human name. So he's going to be fully God and fully human. And he's prophesying this 700 years before Jesus actually turns up on the planet. And it's interesting because as Jesus comes as a baby, uh, he brings this whole sense of peace. In fact, he doesn't bring peace. He is peace. He is peace, right? He comes as peace. In those days, the rulers did not rule with peace. Jesus was going to come and rule with peace and in peace because he is peace. All they knew was might and terror and wars and so on, and that's what they experienced. So I'm not sure that this idea of Prince of Peace had like an easy place to land in the, in the psyche and the mindset of the Israelite nation because when this is spoken, they're in exile. They've been ripped out of their homeland and they are now in exile in a different land and Isaiah has the gall to come along and say, yeah, this guy's going to come, he's going to rule with peace. Well, we don't know anything about ruling with peace. That doesn't really make sense. And so fast forward 700 years from this proclamation that Isaiah makes and we find this little Christmas vignette of a story of a bunch of shepherds. They're probably on the hill because that's what's on all the Christmas cards. But anyway, they're out at night looking after sheep And this is what happens. Let me read it to you. Find it in Luke 2. It says, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, A saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And if they heard that name Christ, they knew exactly what the angel was talking about. Christ is the Messiah, the person they've been waiting for centuries to turn up and save them. But they had this idea of the Messiah of kind of like a a knight on a white charger and he's going to come and he's going to take over from Rome and he's going to save them all and get them back in their land and so on. And so <clears throat> he said, as Christ the Lord, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, which is not what they would have expected. They would have expected 
a king to be born in a palace. palace. Thank you, Richard. Yeah. I'll give you the minty if I have it. <laughs> Kings are born in palaces. And they're not wrapped in cloths and things like that. And so that is actually a sign for these shepherds. And of course, they go and, and to find the baby like that. But before they go, this is what, the, this is, what is said by the angels. There's a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, here's our word, peace. That's the shalom kind of peace. So it's not just absence of fighting or absence of war. You know this because Naomi did such a great job. It's this sense of wholeness and completeness and prosperity. Peace on earth to men and women on whom his favour rests. Now, when this was spoken, it was spoken to a group of people. Remember back in Isaiah's day, a bunch of people who were, had been ripped out and they're in exile. In this case, the people were under Pax Romana. Pax Romana, for those whose Latin's a little rusty, it means basically Roman peace. Roman peace lasted two centuries from about 27 BC to about 180 AD, around about that. And it was a peace that was, that was achieved through war. And these people would have, they would know about the, the Roman peace because it was a safe place to be. You could walk the Roman roads, it was safe. There was a sense of peace they could trade in the time of prosperity. But they would also know that there was a whole bunch of Roman soldiers and they were ruling it with terror because if you took a step out of line, you'd be in trouble. They would see centurions and, and soldiers all the time. And so it was kind of a, a fake peace, if you know what I mean. It was a peace that's under power. And it only lasted a couple of hundred years, whereas Jesus' peace, the peace that he brings, the peace that he is, lasts forever. It's lasted right through. The peace that he came and brought when he was a baby is the peace that we can experience right now. Jesus is, Jesus is the one who brings peace, as I said before, because peace is who Jesus is. The thing is, we don't get a lot of peaceful messages these days, do we? I mean, I have to tell you, you know this. The news always comes up with fighting all around the world. You don't have to try very hard to find some place that is at war or has no peace. In fact, historians believe that since the beginning of written history, there has not been one year in the whole of written history when there has been no war, no conflict, no fighting, not one year. So while we might feel like we need to experience this peace where we are right now and our whole world needs to experience this peace, you're absolutely right, but it was no different a number of years ago when other places were at war. Am I making sense? We've always needed this peace of God. And, and so we don't get the news delivering these peace stories. It tends to highlight conflicts. And the conflicts are not always between nations. It's sometimes between people. And it's between families. And sometimes the lack of peace between political sides. You get the picture, don't you? There's this lack of peace and wholeness and completeness that the world has no way of solving. And I think the possible reason that we don't see the peace that Jesus brings is because 
The peace that he is and the peace that he brings is a conditional peace. It's conditional. Before I unpack why it's conditional, I want to have a look at, I suppose, three dimensions of peace that might be helpful to you. Three different dimensions of peace and then we'll have a look at why it's conditional. The first dimension of peace, and this is the most important one because if we don't get this, the other two won't make sense. The other two, you won't experience the fullness of the other two dimensions of peace. The first dimension of peace, and this won't surprise some of you, is peace with God. Right? That's just, it's this kind of peace, peace that comes from God down to us. It's God who made the first move and he comes down to us. He's the initiator of this peace. In fact, why don't we all do it with our hands up in the air? Let's do something physical. This will help you remember. This will help you remember. Okay, Bell, they're in the right position. Can't lead worship. Quick. No? All right. <clears throat> this will help you remember. So that's a peace that came down from heaven to earth. Peace from heaven to... Look at that. Peace from, I feel like I'm at the cricket, right? You <laughs> peace from heaven to us. Peace with God. If we don't have that peace, of, peace with God, we won't experience, I believe, the other two dimensions of peace. And as I said, God has moved towards us. It's an act of reconciliation. Now, you might have said, I didn't know I was at war with God. No one told me that. I didn't think, oh, I wasn't fighting with God, I don't hate God, I don't, you know, and, and some people feel like, well, hang on, how, how come we're at war with God? And really all it is, is that God cannot stand sin. He's so pure, he's so holy and so righteous. He just can't stand sin. And so there's a gap between him and me, a gap between him and you. And so while he can't stand it, he can do something about it and he has done something about it because we can't do anything about it in and of ourselves. So he sends Jesus and he sends Jesus as a little baby to um, experience what it means to be human and then he dies for us for, to, to bridge that gap. He rises again from the dead so that we will as well. And that's the, the peace of God that we get. This is what Paul wrote. Paul's a guy... If you haven't heard of the Apostle Paul, he's known as, if you haven't heard of him, he's a guy who used to try and kill Christians and eradicate the church until he met Jesus and became one and started planting churches, complete flip around. And he wrote, wrote, wrote or writes in this whole time of the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, and he writes to a church at Rome. This is what he says. Listen to what he writes. He said, therefore... Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, because that's how we get this, this peace uh, with God is through faith. We just trust him and give our lives to him. Um, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. That's the first kind of peace, the first dimension of peace that we need to have right to experience the next two in their fullness. The second dimension of peace is peace with others. Right, peace with God. Come on, do the actions, and then, and then peace with others. So you give a little cuddle, just a little hug, just a, you know, a little hand around the shoulder. Yeah, that's good. All right, we have peace. This is a little bit trickier. This one because peace with others is not necessarily a given. It's where where God has moved towards us 
to, so that we can have a relationship with him, we get to move to other people. We get to move to somebody else that we feel like we're out of sorts with. Maybe it's a, a friend, maybe it's a, a family member, it might be someone at work, who knows. But you know that you're out of sorts with somebody. It might be someone sitting next to you. Hmm. It could be someone in this place. I don't know. But you just know that you've got to uh, make peace with other people and we get to move towards them. That same Paul wrote this. He said, if possible, right? So he's not saying it's a guarantee. He's just saying, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everybody else. Live peaceably with all. In other words, he's saying the ball is in your court all the time. If you are a person who's received peace with God, then the ball is in your court to then go and make peace with other people. The ball is always in your court. And remember, Jesus said this. He, didn't, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say blessed are the peace lovers. We all want peace. We all love peace in our relationships. We all love peace wherever we are. But he didn't say blessed are the peace who people who love peace. He said blessed are the people who make peace, peacemakers. And it's not about having peace at any cost. Um, I've tried that before. That's not good. Peace and, and just, I just want to have some peace. I just, I can't stand it. I'm the one who's, you know, and you just, peace at any cost. It'll come around and it'll bite you, you know where. Because that doesn't work. That's not true peace either. It's peace where you go to someone and, and you start to build the relationship back. In fact, this should be what rules us. As again, Paul says, same Paul, he said, let the peace that comes from Christ Rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, that's us here, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. We need to have the peace of God ruling over our lives. And so that takes us to step out of our comfort zones, maybe, and make peace with others. We are to be peacemakers, not peace lovers. That's what God's calling us to. That's the second dimension of peace. So we've got the dimension with peace with God. Right? God coming down to us. He makes the step out towards us in Jesus. Then we have peace with others where we make the step because the ball's always in our court. And then we have the third dimension. It's peace within. It's inner peace. And you can do that. It's peace in here. This is sometimes the toughest one because... Things can happen in our lives that disturb us. Would that be fair to say? Something happens and we feel anxiety. We feel sadness. We feel like uh, stuff gets out of control. And sometimes what happens is that we try and control things. We go, oh, I don't like this. So I try and do something to control it. Or sometimes I try and do something to distract myself from the anxiety and the pain and the fear or whatever it might be that I'm feeling inside. And no one's immune to this. Nobody's immune to having those sorts of feelings. But if you have peace with God, you, have, you make peace with others, there's a potential for you to experience and to grow in peace within yourself. Again, Paul, it's a pretty smart guy, isn't he? Paul says this, do not be anxious for anything. Be anxious for nothing. He's just actually um, speaking what Jesus said 
earlier when Jesus was around, he said, do not be anxious about anything. And honestly, when I read that, I kind of get a little ticked off because like, really? Be anxious about nothing? Are you serious, Paul? But when you look, when you read it, into what he's saying. What he's saying, basically, that word anxious is basically saying don't fall apart. When something happens in your life, relationally, uh, financially, work-related, whatever it might be, health, it could be anything, don't let that incident, don't let that thing cause you to fall apart. That's what he's talking about. Because Paul would say, I'm anxious about churches that he'd planted and that basically meant i'm concerned i want to know what's going on i want to pray for my church, pastors and elders what he's saying here is you didn't doesn't fall apart at the seams because there's somebody that holds him together there's something way bigger than the things that can cause him anxiety he says but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to god in everything prayer and petition now this Petition word's interesting because when we sign a petition or when we want to petition someone for something, what we do is we want to put our name on a list of people that to give to somebody who is a higher power or has greater power than what we have to get something done. So you might say, I want to petition the local member to make sure that I have my red bin picked up every twice a week. I don't know, I'm making it up. It's not very good, is it? But you, you know what I'm saying. And I think we all should have that. And I'm just going to go to my member. And I, anyway, we petition. We put our names down. Who else thinks this? And we put our petition because we can't make it happen. But maybe our member of parliament, I want to get elected again. Maybe they can do something on our behalf. We get to a higher power. And what we're saying when we're petitioning God with our prayers, we're saying, we understand that you can do something. I can't because if I could, I would have. But I can't. So we're petitioning you, God, with prayer and thanksgiving to come and do something on our behalf. And the other thing about petition is that it's very specific. It's not like, God, I'm feeling down, bless me. It's like, God, I've got this situation at work and I haven't got a solution. I need you to come and speak. I need you to come and show me. I need wisdom for this particular situation. Would you show me? And so you're very specific and you're going to someone who is a higher power and then you're doing that with thanksgiving. Well, thanksgiving is basically saying, I'm trusting you for the outcome. That's what thanksgiving is all about. I'm trusting you for the outcome. And then... The promise is, and this is, this is Paul's promise, this is God's promise, the peace of God. This is the peace that Jesus embodied, the peace that he brought. Peace of God, which transcends our understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When you think about it, it's in the heart and the mind that anxiety hits, isn't it? It's how we think. It's how we feel. You've got to understand also that Paul's not sort of sitting in this luxury apartment writing this letter to these people. Paul's writing this from a prison with a, probably a sword hanging over his head. And the people, the Philippian people that he's writing to, they are under a lot of persecution. So the context of this is, again, it's in the, in the sense of getting peace over your anxiety in a very, very difficult situation. Let me sum it up this way. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Easier said than done, but that's something you can move towards. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. A number of years ago, um, 
was my first foray into ministry and I was a, a worship and a creative ministries pastor at a church and it was kind of new for them. They never had one and worked out well for me because I'd never been one. So we kind of were working through what that looked like and uh, I, I, the ministry was going fine and at about the three-year mark, um, the pastor came to me and said, look, we're, we're not going to pay you to do this anymore. We want you to continue, but we're not going to pay you to do it. Um, we just want the ministry. But, and it was the only work I had because I was studying as well. It was the only work I had. And I, uh, three years before, had lost a business, lost a house. We're in a rented house. My, I had two little girls. One was just started school, another one was in preschool, wife's pregnant. It's kind of, hopefully you can understand that I was filled with anxiety instantly, like, where do we live? How do we eat? What, how do I put petrol in my Holden Chimera that's been hail damaged and looks like a golf ball rather than a car, because it did. And I had this instant, I, I wanted to run out of the room um, not because I was angry or upset, because I thought I was going to vomit. I was that, I felt that sick in my stomach. And uh, so I prayed, as you do. And I didn't go, I didn't go to this passage and go, you know, um, be anxious about nothing and everything in Thanksgiving. I didn't go to that. I just went, oh, God, help. That's kind of all I prayed. And then I prayed this prayer to God. I said, God, like, how are you going to, fix this because I journeyed with God long enough to know that he's powerful and he can do whatever he likes. I go, how do you want to fix it? And uh, God has never told me how he's going to do something ever in my life. Kind of thankful because if he did, I'd try and and maybe twist his arm or maybe try and interfere in what he's doing. But when I've asked for God for things, he's never once told me how he's going to do it. But this is the answer I got, and I know it was God because I didn't want this answer. If it was me, I would have had a different answer. Uh, He just said to me, haven't I told you that I love you? That's it. That's all I got. Haven't I told you that I love you? In this place of extreme anxiety for me, and it was enough. All of a sudden, it was like having a jumbo jet lifted off my chest, honestly. It was like, oh, of course you have. And all of a sudden, that's what I'm talking about, the peace of God. I can't explain it. I just know that I know that I know that it happened for me. And I felt that just lift off me. I felt as light as a feather. I felt everything's going to be okay. I have no idea what's going to happen. Everything's going to be okay. And then I got this other verse that kind of helped me to sort of stay on track. And so again, back to our friend Isaiah, Isaiah 26.3, he said, He, God, will keep you in perfect peace. Him whose mind is set on you or steadfast on you. I've memorized a number of versions. Why? Because he trusts in you. It's all about what's going on here. And so when I have felt anxious about things, what has happened for me is the issue I feel anxious about and You'll come up with lots of them in your own brain right now. The issue you feel anxious about all of a sudden becomes bigger than the God that I trust. So what I have to do is go, okay, when my mind, is, as I said, my mind is set on him, on God, because I trust in him, all of a sudden, the peace of God will settle 
on your soul. That's been my experience. Sound good? Well, it's conditional. (laughs) Remember I said we park it, we'll come back to it. So we've got the peace with God. We have the peace that we take to others. Then we have this other peace within and all of that is conditional. And it goes back to what the angels said. So let's have a quick look at what the angels said. Remember, they said, glory to God in the highest. So what I said to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men and women on whom his favour rests. That's the condition. Peace to men and women on whom his favour rests. Now, this is not like God standing up there and going, you're my favourite. You can have my peace. That person over there, I don't really like them. They're not going to have my... God's not fickle. He's not like that. That's not what he's talking about. The people who have the favour of God are the people who've made a decision, that first decision to have peace with God. That's what he's talking about. That's what the angels are talking about. You will not experience the other pieces, the pieces, the other piece to the same degree as you would if you had, if you if you don't have the peace of God, because that's the peace that passes all understanding. I'm convinced that most people want peace in their life. If not everybody wants peace in their life, but they don't, not everybody wants God in their life. They'll have the peace of God. They don't want the glory of God, as the angels were singing, right? They want the peace of God, but not necessarily the glory of God. And that's a little bit like saying, come to someone at Christmas and someone says to you, imagine someone saying this to you, well, thank you for the present, um, but I actually don't like you. Go away. And uh, look, come back next Christmas and bring me another present. But between those two Christmases, I don't want to have anything to do with you. But thank you for the present. And by the way, you forgot my birthday. All right. It's a bit like that. What, who would do that? But some people do that with God because they say, well, I want the peace. I can't understand that. I want peace that's this inner peace that changes me, but really don't want to have anything to do with God. That's why you need to have the peace with God before you get the inner peace that you can experience day in and day out. I'm going to pray. Let's bow our heads and I'm just going to pray. And I don't know where you're on that continuum in your journey um, Maybe you've, you've got peace with God and uh, maybe you need to make peace with somebody else, maybe a family member, uh, maybe a workmate, maybe someone like that. Or maybe right now, and this is probably a lot of people in the room, there's an issue of anxiety in your life and the problem seems bigger than what you, or certainly bigger than what you can handle, or you wouldn't be anxious. And maybe you haven't committed that to God. But for some of you, maybe you haven't got that first peace, the peace with God. So let me pray a prayer. And if you, if you kind of align yourself with the prayer, just say, yeah, me too. At the end of this prayer, just say, yeah, include me in that, God. Just include me in that. Me too. Here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, um, I, I don't have peace with you. I, I want the peace, but I've... In the past, I really just don't want you in my life. So uh, forgive me for living life without you. Forgive forgive me, Father, for the sin in my life. I really just want to, by faith, I just want to take hold of that incredible gift that you've given to me in Jesus. 
And today I want to turn my life around. I want to follow him for the rest of my life. I just want to become a follower of Jesus. And if that's you tonight, just say, yep, me too. I'm in on that. That's the start. It's a really good start. It's the most important start you can make. But I want to pray for those people who have made that decision, then maybe they have a relationship that needs sorting out. Father, I just pray for those circumstances, those people, those relationships, and I want to pray the power of God into those those scenarios for each one of us who know what it's like to have the peace with God, that we can now go forward with confidence and with power. We know, Father, it's not guaranteed that they'll, they'll turn around and be close with us again, but you have said, you have said clearly that as much as it's up to us, well, Father, we recognize that and we want to go forward and at this Christmas time, particular, maybe with family members, make peace with them. And I pray an empowerment that will come from that peace with God into each person. And for everyone who's anxious about whatever it might be, the small and the big, it just keeps us awake at night, keeps us biting our nails, it keeps us in that, that area where it's just like, I, I can't find answers for this, Lord, but you can find answers. You can be the answer. And I pray that each person would turn to you, set their eye, the eyes of their heart on you and see you as a greater answer than the problem that they face and that they might have that peace. They may not get the answer today, tonight. They may not get it tomorrow or the next week, but to rest in the assurance that you have this in your hand and you care and you love them. I pray all of that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. May you have a safe and blessed week.